Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name is Dave Handready and there will be no encore. <laughs> Welcome to episode 316 of the No Encore Music Podcast. No Encore 316 uh, says I just whipped your ass or whatever the fuck it was you said all those years ago to poor Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, a Steve Austin reference, and I, I have to say, listener, that wasn't my idea. That's Sonic Architect Adam's doing. I'm beautiful moment. genuinely shocked. Craig Fitzpatrick, did that take you back to a simpler time when pro wrestling was the biggest thing in the world? It really did, actually. And sat- Saturday mornings when I would actually watch it, yeah, and Stone Cold would come out and waste a whole lot of beer, probably crap Bud Light beer, but you know. I mean, well, Bud Light's better than Budweiser, I will say that much, but um, in that, in that, in, oh yeah, in that it's tolerable to drink. So, um, it's weird, Adam didn't necessarily plan this, but like, will pro wrestling come up again later in the show? It just might. (laughs) (laughs) Because, (laughs) because, Craig, uh, we're back for new No Encore, new episode of No Encore, and it's top five songs this week about heroes and villains, not inspired by wrestling, but inspired by uh, The Dark Knight, The Caped Crusader. Inspired by you going to the cinema last week. And being we're, underwhelmed. We're running on fumes. Yeah. <laughs> we're also recording uh, like a day earlier than normal, but I yeah. guess we'll probably still put it Wednesday on Friday. Night <laughs> Wednesday Night Raw. Wednesday Night Raw. Because Craig has social plans. Well. Yeah, he has is, social yeah. plans. And um, it almost didn't happen this evening. It wasn't to be fair. The, yeah. To be fair. I mean, with time up against us, I think... Well, I can't speak for your top five, but I think I, I, I've pulled a rabbit out of the hat this week and I've got a killer fucking top five. So very Well, your top five is villains. Yes. My top five is heroes, which Correct. I was happy with initially. And then I was like, there's a whole lot of cheesy hero songs. Like the, um, this might be Slim Pickens. I found I've, I've 
arrived on a great list, but um, it took a bit of research, a bit more than I thought. I thought it'd just be like pen and paper, done, dusted, but nope. No, How about you? Um, it was difficult, actually, the villains aspect of things. It was kind of, uh, I had had to put in the work as well, Craig. And again, like I say, we we one day less this week. So, because, uh, you know, you're you're being social. We also recorded, by the way, uh, in our Patreon right now, patreon.com slash noencore. There's a new, nearly two hour long episode of No Oxcord in which myself and Craig and Adam go through recent recommends from a aural perspective. And uh, I yeah. thought it was a very, very fun episode. Sunday morning was, recording. I enjoyed it. It's out now. You can get that at patreon.com slash noencore. If you want to support the show, the price of a pint or whatever it is you want to put together. Uh, as Adam points out here right now, the playlist for the associated No Oxcore oh, episodes yeah. out right now, which is included as part of the episode, is a fantastic playlist. Honestly, I think it is genuinely one of our best overall selections. Very varied, very interesting. And yeah, um, you know, it's out now if you want to get it. There's also on the main feed a new Before the Encore in which Adam Shanahan sits down with his studio mate, Cormac Butler, who's a producer and a very interesting fellow. Adam, of course, is dedicated to bringing you a monthly series of behind-the-scenes look at the Irish music industry and beyond, speaking to people who don't normally kind of get their flowers, but Adam ensures that they do. So lots of content this week, lots of audio content. I hate the word content, but I've said it three times now, Craig. So if you can stop me, that'd be pretty good. Hashtag content. Do you want some content? I've got some content. Always, yeah. Go on. Uh, I've just remembered that I had a horrendous train journey home. Um, oh, great. Home to realise the internet wasn't working, then have to switch locations to um, Jerem Brand Ryan. The Ryan line is now open. But yeah, my train journey, <laughs> so I'm there. <laughs> it was a miserable day weather-wise. It was a horrible day in work. And I decided the best thing for me on the train to Minute, well, leaks up Minute line, would be to do some meditation. <laughs> So usually on the train, train, it's a good place to do some meditation, yeah. Is it? 20 minutes, close your eyes, and you know the kind of rhythmic flow of the train, the kind of noise you train. It works. I was so on edge, so that I was like, I'm going to have to do, so I'm going to have to add some ambience. So I'll tell you what my backing track was. My backing track was Campfire by the Sea ambience. (laughs) Crackling fire, waves and crickets, right? So I had that going. nice. I was chilling out. I was about five minutes into it and there was a loud bang on the carriage door and I half opened my eyes to see some dude just rocking up, looking around saying, how are you doing, folks? I closed my eyes and thought, he's going to sit beside me. He sat beside me and proceeded to crack open a can. Yay, excellent. Of, can you guess the beverage? What would you reckon? Um, I haven't given you many many details about him. He was um, in a puffer jacket. He revealed okay. about 10 minutes into his soliloquy that he was bricklayer. Um, he owns a bicycle and wasn't Pratsky, Adam. You, you probably won't get it. Brooklyn It was Lager? a weird cans on the train shout, particularly solo. No, you're not, you're not correct. Holnet, no. It was can of Smithix. <laughs> oh, nice. Don't, don't have a go with Smithix. My dad likes oh the Smithix. God. How dare you? Yeah, but like on the train when you're, it's not like, I don't know. It just Oh, hang on. Sorry, what time of the morning was this? No, no, this was this evening. Oh, this evening. So maybe Sorry, it was, I, I, it was, it was a bit more civilized. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, there's fine. nothing wrong with this. This is perfectly, yeah, in fairness, after the fucking day I've had, I, 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 I envy, I envy this man, his gumption. Well, he tried to start a sing-along. Then he struck up a conversation with the guy opposite him who had like a fold-up bike about bike safety. 
Then he noticed someone else was reading about property. So he started talking about the price of materials for bricklaying. And eventually security came and asked him to, what, Dave? Produce his ticket. No, they didn't ask him to produce his ticket. <laughs> leave the train? They didn't tell him to leave the train. No, they said, you'll have to put your can away. Oh, of or course, else, sorry. <laughs> or else you can get off at the no- next stop. Finish it and get back <laughs> on. <laughs> Wonderful. The security were allowing him to skull his point. Yeah, but only off the on. train. Off the train. And he disagreed with them, put in his bag and wandered off. And that was the end of that. But yeah, that was my little train journey. This guy sounds like a wise old sage. I mean, he was trying to give people property advice. He was trying to tell that guy to be more safe on the road on his bike. And he was just trying to enjoy a beverage. And even the security seemed of me, charmed by him. Why yeah. weren't you? <laughs> I was trying to meditate, Dave. There was a part okay, of me that was fair. like, maybe it was the mantra, but I was just like, maybe we're the crazy ones, you know? He's just trying to, like, chat to his fellow passengers. Everyone else is so, like, isolated. Maybe we're the weird ones. I think this guy genuinely has a better handle on his life than both of us do right now. So, shout out that man. That's what I say. Fair enough. Okay. Maybe we'll see okay. him again. Chair Smithix. He was offering cans. <laughs> I mean, that like this person. Get get him into the doll. Elect this man. His <laughs> policies are good. Uh, is the news good this week, though? Let's find out. Hey, you heard about the good news? Well, Kanye says it's pretty good. Craig, you put it together though. News. Tell me yeah. all about it. I mean. I'm reading these stories as if for the very first time, but I do have an exciting <laughs> U.S. Eurovision update. Tremendous. Which we're still, I guess, calling the Eurovision, even though it's the US states and um, territories, I guess. It's going to be a pretty glitzy, glamorous affair. It's happening this month, Dave. Um, It was actually supposed to kick off last month. We talked about it way back when. And we weren't sure what the format was going to be, who was going to be involved. I think actually last time we discussed this, we were like... We were kind of like saying hypothetically it would be nice to get some well-known artists to represent each state and have a real kind of Where battle of the states thing. Yeah, <laughs> I actually this? believe I referenced one of the artists in this new press release, Okay, weirdly enough. It wasn't Michael Bolton who will star. It wasn't Macy Gray. It wasn't Cisco. It was Jewel. Do you remember? I was like, who's from Alaska? Is Jewel from Alaska? Well, she okay. is Dave. She's representing Alaska in the European so Song Contest. This. Very good. I did. So there's a host of actual star stars, I guess so, right? Cisco, Michael Bolton. Gray, Michael Bolton. He was a he was, a, he was huge, wasn't he? He was massive for a while. Yeah, he cut his hair though. Eventually, I think that that's what did for him. Do you think that's what did it for him? Yeah, it was like a Samson um, type situation. He's representing Connecticut, um, <laughs> so John Mayer didn't get the call up. <laughs> so I can't believe on. I know John Mayer from Connecticut. Every state yes, has a. They have one act represented him. So, this sounds like it could be a very long process, no? Yeah. No, it's not going to be a one-night thing. It's going to run over a few different weeks. Uh, the grand finale is broadcast on the Monday, the day before the first semi-final of the actual Eurovision. Um, so, yeah, 56 acts representing all 50 US states, five US territories, and the nation's capital. What? And I guess, yeah... So Washington, D.C. just has a, it's okay. like a district or whatever. Uh, right. I don't know who they've got for that, but it's like, it's it's like a smattering of names, I think, to get people in. And then like Mississippi has got Keon Starr, who was on um, Mark Ronson's 2015 Uptown special um, album. Then there's kind of lesser known people like Hawaii um, is Bronson Verde. He only has one song on Spotify. 
It's a real mixed bag, but um, Kelly Clarkson's excited about it. And so is Snoop Dogg, our hosts for the coming weeks. You're going to be watching, right? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> also, is there a name what for it? What was I expecting? Is it called the American no, Song every... Contest? Because they keep referring to it as the US version of the Eurovision. Well, it is an official spin-off, but okay. surely there's a... No, it doesn't... There was a quote from the producer... I, I, I think it's Ameri- just American Song Contest. I think it is. Right, okay. There was Go a quote on, yeah. from the producer who said, he's been trying to make this happen for 20 years. So yeah. I'm going to feel very sad for him when it gets cancelled after one season. <laughs> Do you reckon it gets cancelled before the grand finale? No. That happens? No, I'd say they probably got a commitment there to kind of see it yeah. through. But... I don't see this being a hit. Now, now that I've said that, though, it'll be the biggest thing since fucking, I don't know, yeah. Cheers or something. You were... <laughs> a nice <laughs> modern Frasier, reference there. Frasier would be the, the go-to, right? Because it's also a spin-off. A spin-off, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Craig makes a good point. <laughs> yeah, you were referring to Ben Silverman there, who said, yeah, I spent 20 years trying to pursue this. I just love the format. And he added, <laughs> when America is more fractionalised than ever, and we are dealing with so many issues that divide us, the one thing that truly unites us is our culture. Okay. They're competing. But yeah, I don't know. Hope <laughs> yeah. for America, Dave. <laughs> pitting state against state. You're like, this is not really... Um, I'll be curious to see, like, I'm sure there'll be like an article on Vulture or something being like, you know, what a mess that was on the first episode or whatever. So yeah. I think it'll be a disaster. I think it'll be a train wreck. That's what I think will happen. Um, but speaking of disasters, train wrecks and bad things, <laughs> uh, a certain flame-haired troubadour is up in court this week, right? Yeah, he's, um, it's Ed Sheeran. He's in the midst of yet another copyright case. Um, I'm not sure if this is just connected to one that goes way back um, and there's, it's just ongoing or this is a fresh um, claim of plagiarism. It's from Sammy Chokri and Ross O'Donoghue. Uh, they're claiming that Ed Sheeran stole parts of their 2015 song, um, Oh Why, um, when he was putting together his 2017 hit single, Shape of You. And yeah, so the trial kicked off last Friday. Uh, there's been quotes spilling out. There was an interesting aside that uh, Sheeran had to reveal that he re- had to re- <laughs> reveal that he recently <laughs> wrote 25 songs in the space of a week with Aaron Desner from The National, which is like, do we want to hear those songs? Is there any chance no, Aaron we Desner don't. can <laughs> swiftify <laughs> Ed Sheeran? Aaron Desner, no. like, is like fair play. <laughs> like, he's, he's secured yeah. himself a fucking... An extension on his house with each passing season, and I and I can only Do you admire the, the man. rest of the national are like fucking hell, buddy. Probably, including his twin brother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bryce. Yeah. Um, I mean, Aaron Desner has, I guess, fancied himself a producer and a collaborator for quite some time. I mean, he's only now kind he of has. working with the biggest in music, so um, it has to be a very satisfying position he's in, I would imagine. And clearly the connect there came from Taylor Swift. And you have to think that like, I mean, he's going in there. He's got the easiest job in the world here. All he has to do is massage the ego of Ed Sheeran, make his song sound a little bit better, which won't take a lot of work. And the fact that they wrote 25 songs in a week though, I mean, what is this? I've no idea. Now, is that just like sketches of stuff and it's just like legally called a song? Yeah, I'm I'm presuming they're not fully finished songs, but I mean, Sheeran does like to churn them out. He, he does. writes a lot for other artists and um, 
The case here is suggesting that he's able to churn them out because he's getting them from other sources. Um, Chokri and O'Donoghue's lawyer, Andrew Sutcliffe, Sutcliffe said that Sutcliffe, by the way, can I just say, if, if I'm being defended... Sutcliffe is a surname, that's... Yeah. <laughs> if I'm being defended in court in Britain, don't know if I want my lawyer to have the surname it's of not Sutcliffe. quite Hitler, but it's getting there, isn't it? It's, it's not like, great. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, his yeah. Andrew Sutcliffe, because like, I love this quote, because like, it has been argued against Sheeran that... Uh, he is, quote, a magpie who borrows ideas without credit. Now, I saw like a fucking tweet on this during the week and I thought that yeah. that was Ed Sheeran's defence. I thought he was literally saying, I'm a magpie, I borrow ideas. <laughs> I was what, like, that what? is... I'm just a magpie, I'm a little <laughs> I was scamp. Like, I, was like, I, was like, I was like, that's brazen as fuck. Oh, it's being put against him, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, well, we should point out that Ed Sheeran is denying everything here. Uh, he sure of is, yeah. But the question's put to him. So, yeah, Sutcliffe asked Sheeran um, Adam how changed, he wrote. Adam has changed his background to a court <laughs> sketch of Ed Sheeran, who looks like Eddie Howe look, in Bar- that one, doesn't he? Oh, he does look a bit like Eddie Howe. I was going to go Boris Johnson with the Boris hair, Johnson, but no, the yeah. face is very Howian. Yeah. <laughs> Those court artists are just, they're always slightly off, aren't they? Stealing the living. That's anyway, a, back that's to Ed. Kind of what, what's his, what's Although, his defense? Don't they, have to do, they have to do it from memory, don't they? Do Although they? I suppose if it's Ed Sheeran, you can just Google him. I get that that works for Joe Soap. Yeah, I think they're not allowed to do it in the court. So Sorry, they're allowed to observe just, and then they have to leave and do their sketch. Can I might just, be wrong, but yeah. Can I just hijack this for a second, by the way, to just discuss um, a, a gaping plot hole in the 1995 crime motion picture, The Usual Suspects. Is that cool? If I, oh, if okay. I, if I, if I, if yes, for, please do. Yeah, yeah I've been waiting for this. So I rewatched that film there um, about a weekend or two ago, despite the fact that like it's mega cancelled. You know, you got director and Oscar-winning star both oh, in the God, bin, yeah. and rightly so. But you know, it's an hour and a half, and it's a crime classic, I suppose. Um, so I threw it on. It's fine. You know, it's not quite the masterpiece that I would have thought it was when I was a lot younger. Um, but spoilers for a film from twenty-seven years ago to follow. So you know, skip forward now. But um, you've seen the film, I trust, right? You, like, you know, I the have, yeah. Yeah, it's been a few so you years, know, but yes. Oh, yeah, you know the, big know the ending, of course, yeah. yeah. Much, much like in real life, Kevin Spacey did it. So essentially what happens is... <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> what, what allegedly. Happens, allegedly. Uh, allegedly? Uh, whatever. So um, there's the moment where, like, the sketch artist, like, throughout the film, like, the world's slowest sketch artist is putting together the sketch because there's an eyewitness. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of the film yeah. was him killing a witness. And at the end, he gets away with it and walks down the street and it's the whole thing. But, like... You see the the sketch coming through, and it's very clearly Kevin Spacey in the sketch. So it's like, but you didn't mastermind this perfectly because they have your fucking sketch. Like they know it's you. Like yeah. th- this isn't like the the bravado ending that everyone's like, oh man, the devil. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, he's fucked. He'll be picked up in it's, like a it's day. Been cracked. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. I never thought about that, but yes, it's like he's right. not getting off scot free at all. Um, is, is, is Ed Sheeran getting off scot free though? That's the question. I think he might be. Can I just say, by the way, I feel really bad for Stephen Baldwin because, like, that Do was you? his one. De- well, no, and I don't he, actually. Actually, he didn't he go a, mad like Trumpian and? Yeah, I think so. He, I don't he, know. He, actually, he I think he's a, gone ultra he, religious. Or he drops a yeah. tr- drops tr- drops a very notable f bomb in that movie. So you know, don't feel too bad. For him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, he the, didn't write the script. No, but he. Didn't he challenge refused, it. I suppose. Didn't to, challenge it, yeah. did he? Um, if you were Stephen Baldwin, are you going to be challenging anyone on a set of well, a decent he did, film? Well, he did. It's the like, one film. <laughs> but to get into it again, and what a derail this is, but like, I remember watching the, the behind the scenes on the DVD back in the day. And like, yeah. fucking the director, whose name I won't mention because he's scum, but like he was talking about how... Uh, 
the whole vibe was that Stephen Baldwin was a, was a total asshole on set. Like Kevin Pollock yeah. is, on, is there and he was like, he's like this guy, he was like, you know, he's just being full of macho bullshit energy. And I kind of went over to him and I was like, look, I know your brothers took your food off, you know, like the table, but like you parked that shit at the door. And then the director was saying that, yeah, he came in, he was all swagger. He was trying to dominate, blah, 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 blah. And he was like doing, you know, he's going into business for himself with the lines. And I kind of took him aside and I was like, you're going to say the lines, how I've written them. And that's it. Or you're off the movie. And then it cuts to Stephen Baldwin going, and that's exactly what I needed to hear. You know, I just needed someone to kind of come to me and like, and just say, yeah. And I was like, no, fuck, no. You were completely called out for being a dick. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. just like put in your place. He found like, his yeah, motivation. Completely. The risk yeah, yeah, yeah. the job. Yeah. He, he was like, most directors can't handle me, but this guy could. It was like, there's also a great story as well about how like Gabriel Byrne thought he was Kaiser Soze and like oh, went yeah, mental. Yeah, I've heard that one. Like, like when he found out he wasn't, apparently confronted the director in the parking lot and, and was like furious. But uh, okay. good for him. So I feel sorry for Gabriel Byrne, I guess. Um, great actor. Sheeran, I think he is a great actor. He's got great presence. I think slightly slept on these days. But Shall we mm, get back know. to the music? Uh, <laughs> Let's get back to it. So Sutcliffe, back to Sutcliffe. Sutcliffe. <laughs> he asked Sheeran um, how he wrote his songs and if he makes things up as he goes along. Then he continued, or... Is his songwriting process, in truth, more nuanced and less spontaneous, involving the collection and development of ideas over time? (laughs) This is just creativity. (laughs) Which reference and interpolate other artists. This is the defendant's case. Um, Mr. Sheeran is undoubtedly very talented. He is a genius. Wow. Going big. (laughs) But he is also a magpie. And he goes, yeah, he borrows ideas and throws them into his songs. Sometimes he will acknowledge it, but sometimes he won't. Sheeran's tonight claims and said that actually he um, is pretty meticulous about trying to credit um, any contributions that pop up. He says, I'm as scrupulous as I possibly can be. I've even given credits to people who I believe may have been no more than a mere influence for a songwriting element. And to be honest, I mean, like when you're scrutinized as much as Ed Sheeran, I've got to imagine at this stage and probably by 2017, there was no way if he thought there was any chance someone was coming after him he'd go ahead with this because he'll just be found out, right? So many songs of that ilk. I mean, he's not a genius. He's very good at what he does. But he, of course, a song, a pop song like that is going to reference other pop songs. There's only so many fucking chord progressions, like. No, I think you'll find I he is know. a genius, Craig. It's been said in court now, so it's legal letter. Um, it's on the record. And yeah, no, I agree with you. I listened to the song, actually, that he's been, you know, and I couldn't hear much crossover. I couldn't hear much in the way it's of... crazy. World's well, I mean, gone like, mad, Dave. <laughs> it has. The world has gone mad. It's political correctness gone mad, as we know. Um, and speaking of um, the world and kind of, I suppose, difficulties and conflict and tension and people having a go at each other, uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot has called out Kanye West, I believe. My two great loves battling. I don't like this. Yeah. Um, it was only a couple of years ago Corey Taylor was expressing words of concern and support for Kanye West over the artist's worrying behaviour at the time. I just hope that he gets the help that he needs were Taylor's words back then, but um, shit just comes at you quickly these days. Kanye West is now a fucking moron, according to Corey Taylor. Uh, Corey. Um, he, he was talking about Donda 2 um, specifically and the rollout of that exclusively through the, the STEM player that he put out, which um, not even I have purchased, Dave. I wonder how they're selling, but... Well, Kanye I mean, says they're selling quite well, but I don't necessarily believe him. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're we're probably never going to know. Maybe we should get one for the show and do like an unboxing or something. <laughs> I mean, maybe last year. They do look kind of cool, don't they? Like, if they're a bit yeah. cheaper, I'd be like, yeah, it's a nice, cool little knickknack. Lo-fi, sci-fi. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. 
But um, Taylor was speaking to the Metro. Uh, he suggested that putting out Donda 2 in that way, which was basically dropping unfinished tracks, um, like four tracks at a time, various times. I think there's been all in all about 20 songs released at this point. He just said it uh, actually shows that he's out of touch with his audience. The quote here is, it's like releasing all the parts for a car and sending them to people's houses and going, there, you got a free car. Now you've got to figure out how to build the goddamn thing. I'm not sure that quite works. It, it doesn't like, quite work, no. No, I mean, he's putting up songs. They might be a bit like scrappy and unfinished, but I don't know. You're assuming that the audience has the access and same technology that you have. Well, I mean, he's selling the stem player, so again. Uh, but yeah, then he calls him a fucking moron for doing that. Are you serious? It doesn't work that way. The thinking that that's a smart thing to do just shows you how convoluted and off the fucking property Kanye West really is. And yeah, he goes on to say, when you've got that much money, basically people are just telling you what you want to hear. Your concept of reality is right out the window, which is probably fair at this point. Um, he's been a little harsh. I mean, kind of typical Corey Taylor quotes it, in terms it, of he doesn't yes. really give a fuck himself. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure it is typical probably Corey when you heard his tone, it was a bit more flippant than it really This is the favor. thing. And like, in fairness, yeah. like he, he he's fond of, uh, of profanity, is Corey Taylor, and he's fond of yeah. expressing an opinion and he's never been shy in that regard. I mean, like... I mean, ever since he's become a media personality, he's always put it out there that way. And he's a forthright guy. Um, I like that about him. I mean, he's an interviewer, interviewer's dream because he's going to give you quotes every single time. And he was clearly asked about this. I, I, like, you know, we, we live in the world where people still don't even seem to realize sometimes that, like, it's not necessary that, like, Corey Taylor woke up one day, opened his curtains and shouted this out to the world. He was asked about an interview. He's entitled to answer however he feels he wants to. Um, he's being harsh, but I, but it is, there's a flippancy to it. I'm sure deep down he retains those feelings of concern that we all do. Kanye's behaviour lately yeah. has been not great um, uh, to put it mildly um, on top of that though he makes valid points in terms of like why would you withhold your art or why would you kind of you know box it off this way Kanye yeah. obviously has a different way of looking at that and he's entitled as is any artist to dole out their work how they choose to do so you know like if you choose to do so at all I mean like you know uh, it raises questions I mean it's annoying because you know it I think he's become more and more untraditional, unconventional in a way that I don't find particularly revolutionary when it comes to releasing his music. And I would kill for a focused Kanye West album right now, working with, you know, a more conventional way. But at the same time, who am I to kind of put the shackles on any artist in that regard? And obviously, yeah, look, I'm a Kanye fan. Same time, though, man, to be honest with you, I don't really give a shit about Donda 2. I don't really want to hear it. It doesn't, it kind of doesn't exist to me in a way, not just, be, but be even beyond the stem player. It's like, I kind of feel like you said all you had to say about this last year and you said it in such a way that it dominated it and dominated people's kind of totally. time and energy. And, you know, again, by all means, you know, if you want to put out another mega album so close to it, go for it. But like, it's something, not... Something about it calling it Donda 2 as well, just, it's really weird with me. Yeah. Two in general is kind of slightly lazy, but when it's like your mother's name and it's just like that was such a heartfelt kind of concept around that that original work and then it's just like Donda 2, it just seems strange to me. Maybe it's um, a classic. I did, maybe, maybe we'll find out. Maybe it know. is, yeah, yeah. I did start watching the Genius documentary. I'm only 50 minutes into the first one, but <laughs> okay. um, so far it's been an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean to get on them and I will. They're all up on Netflix he's, now. So. Yeah, he's adorable back in the day. Um, yeah struggling with his retainer and just fighting against the world and yeah yeah um, so I'll stick with it <laughs> I'm getting well, choked up just thinking about wow, it wow Jesus um, by all means we can we can have a proper conversation about it when we both watched it which hopefully we'll yeah, do yeah we will um, I really would hope though that Corey Taylor and Kanye West don't become official enemies Corey Taylor has enough of those as it is for example 
Machine Gun Kelly, who seems to be living the blissful life these days. Tell us more, Craig. He's getting married to Megan Fox. Um, he is the weed, as we know as well. And um, apparently he fancies his chances of getting BTS to perform at the wedding. That would he was fucking on rule. the Ellen show. <laughs> it would actually rule, wouldn't it? Maybe he's going to do it. I don't know. This is kind of a nothing story, but he was asked by Ellen DeGeneres, who still has a show, fair play to her, um, <laughs> which boy band he would want to play as he ties the knot. Um, he said, for sure, Sync." in terms of, like, boy bands that he's going to know the most songs of. But then he changed his mind and said, but the bands that I do surprisingly know all these facts about, BTS, and I think I have a better chance of getting BTS to come. Um, so he says, like, back at the Billboard Awards uh, last year, the K-pop group were stoked to meet him. <laughs> sure <Excellent>. they were. <laughs> <laughs> they were happy Again, to meet we don't me. know the tone. Maybe he's being hilarious. I hope he's being hilarious. <laughs> I hope he's being hilarious about this as well. The musician also revealed that his fiance's engagement ring features thorns. <laughs> so if she tries to take it off, it hurts, he said. Love is pain. So congratulations to the happy couple. Yeah, no. nothing alarming there. <laughs> no, like, fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, We're into a real grab bag here, music-wise. This is the dregs, Dave. Um, BTS are becoming Tamagotchis. Does that interest you in any way? Uh, it doesn't, Greg. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. <laughs> the only thing that interests me about this story is, like, famously with Tamagotchis, you had to, like, constantly feed them, and it became yeah, a real yeah. pain, or else they would, you know, perish. Do the BTS members perish if you don't constantly feed them? Do they, like, defecate on screen? Like, it says you can go dancing with them, or you can go to the sauna... But it doesn't really say... I mean, you have to feed them, but I don't know if they can... There's got to be an inbuilt thing where BTS are just immortal, right? The sauna? Who even has access to a sauna? Like, that's a very luxurious item. No? You don't think BTS have access to a sauna? But hang on, I'm confused. Even one between all of them. (laughs) If they're carry around digital versions of themselves, then what's... Like, what? But you, I guess you just like hit a button on your Tamagotchi and like one member of BTS, you just select sauna and then you've just got a little graphic where it's just them sitting down with a towel around them and it just okay. boosts their kind of, you know, restores so their health or something. Is, but is that, is that a pre-recorded video of the, of the band themselves? This isn't like... Well, a, I don't know how lo-fi this is. I'm just picturing maybe Tamagotchi technology has really come on leaps and bounds and it's like, I was just assuming they'd be a tiny little like 8-bit, if even kind of pixel character, no? That's yeah, it is. It's it's pixelated versions of them. Like, there's no kind of weird real life tie-in here. It's not like a reality show where you can control a member of BTS. Because I was like, I the K-pop industry I mean, by all accounts is uh, incredibly horrible, and you know treats the superstars like fucking dirt. So this is yeah, like, it's a total this would be a step too far. Here, here. Yeah. Um, here, here. Do you want to just wrap with, um, well, okay, The weekend's going to be on The Simpsons. That's grand. It's a dream come true. We're very happy for him. Season did, there's breaking 33, news. Oh, by the way. 33. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, we should point out that he is um, playing a young streetwear influencer. <laughs> and Michael Rappaport is going to be in the episode as well, which is incredible. Oh, New York led man Yeah, he's back. What's the breaking news you have? Friends saying? appearance. Um <laughs> This story that would have been, I think, the top story, maybe. Exclusive to the mirror that I've just seen. Sting, (laughs) our boy Sting, says the days of performing private gigs for Russian billionaires are over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I don't think we need to go any further, but he was asked by the mirror how he feels about the whole uh, Ukraine situation. And he's appalled. He says he won't play any shows for anyone connected to the regime in the future. Um, he played at a private gig for the family of a Russian tycoon in 2016, Dave. The word tycoon <laughs> never gets old, does it? It just works. Oh, 
Really doesn't. I'm just seeing if there's any. Oh, he performed alongside J Lo in Moscow at the one billion dollar wedding of Mikhail Gutsuriev's son. How much, Syed. How much money do these um, people need? Like, I mean, this is disgusting. And also, weird lineup, right? I mean, you've, it's a one billion dollar wedding. Mm-hmm. You can kind of, I assume, with that kind of money, get nearly anyone you want. And you go Sting, you go J Lo. Yeah, I, I don't know, eclectic taste. They just don't seem worse. like they belong on like a festival bill together. Maybe they do. I've if you're getting married, worse. if you're getting married, because it, it ties into the BTS thing as well. Who would you, uh, if you could pick anyone to play at your wedding, Craig? Who would it be? Alive, Steely Dan. Oh, okay. be the shortest wedding of all time. <laughs> um, I, let me think. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? I think it probably would be Steely Dan. I think they'd be fun. My immediate thoughts just go to. You probably want like a good funk band or like. Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking weddings. I'm thinking you probably don't the want roots? Radiohead. Oh, The Roots would be amazing. Yeah. Yes. The Roots are a great show because they're brilliant in their own right. But also they've got that seasoned thing of like being with Jimmy Fallon, which is basically like performing at a wedding function five nights a week <laughs> on TV. So they know all the hits. They can pander to the mainstream. Yes. The Roots is a great show. The Roots are steely down. They're the, they're the two only options, I think. I think I'll have to go the other way and get like the Dillinger escape plan to play my wedding. That'd be, that's the dream. Um, One last thing though, uh, which I did see breaking myself. Uh, The Cardiff Philharmonic Orchestra, uh, or uh, the the Cardiff Philharmonic rather, has replaced its program of its upcoming all Tchaikovsky concert, citing it as, quote, inappropriate at this time. So Tchaikovsky has been cancelled as a result of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. So there you go. Just let us there. Thoughts with him at this time. Overdue. <laughs> yeah, no, it's off statement coming. Um, right. That's the new section. Okay. And it's time for the top five. So it is top five time, Craig. Heroes and villains. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, I found this quite tricky. Um, there's not a lot of obvious songs out there about villains in terms of if you're researching it, if you're Googling, if you're doing some deep dives that way, as opposed to going through your own personal record collection or Spotify playlist or whatever. So... It's it, like it's funny because even at one stage I was like googling songs about bad guys, which just brought me to every breakup song ever by an impassioned yeah. female artist. So, um, yeah, it was like I wouldn't say the well was dry per se, but I had to really zero in on some stuff. But I did have some stuff like that I was like, oh yeah, that's a good one. The only thing I will say as a proviso okay. is, and I did go back through, um, you know, my kind of sent items to Adam and stuff, but like. Mm. I might just be having killer fucking deja vu here, but there's every chance that I've picked every song in my top five before. And if that is the case... <laughs> every song. I, I, I really... I, like, do you ever get that feeling when you're like, you're sure of something even though there's no actual evidence to back it up? So I was yeah. like... We've done a lot of top fives at this point. I mean... We probably need like a master spreadsheet or something. Now, in fairness, repeats are allowed. Uh, I think we just yeah. try unspokenly to just not... To try not to continually do it yeah for the listener really more than yeah, anything isn't sure. it it's, it's for you dear listener yeah variety is the spice of life and i i should spoil as well i didn't pick maxwell silverhammer it's not here oh uh, so you have gone down that route of like um full criminality in a couple of instances maybe uh, that'd be a spoiler we'll see i guess we'll find out um what about you heroes yeah, no, as I was saying, I mean, it just, there's such, such kind of mawkish ones out there that I'm like, I did feel for a period of time that I'd just be including songs because they were on the theme and they were kind of well known. I was like, yeah, this is, I was doing that thing of like convincing myself that I love the song. But actually then I just had a, 
I don't know, something flipped and I was just like, oh yeah, I've, I've been overlooking that one. Oh, oh yeah. And then there was a bit of a cavalcade of stuff and I'm, I'm really happy with my top five actually at the, this moment in time. I think it's, it's decent. It's one of those ones where, you know, songs about heroes, um, there's different kind of definitions of what a hero is. There's different perspectives, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we'll get into it and it'll be a fun time, Dave. Okay, well, you've promised me a fun time, so you better stick to that. I have. So I guess I should go first because we finish on a hero. Is that how that'll work? Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> you don't seem sure. <laughs> um, much well, we like usually my... finish on best, but I guess hero's best, yeah. Yeah, so uh, maybe you can try and keep track here for me and you can let me know if I picked any of these before. You might remember. Okay. Or not. And you too, listener. But unfortunately, listener, as much as I love you, I can't hear you because I've got the mic <laughs> and that's how it works. So here's my number five. Top five songs with heroes and villains. I'm on the villain side. So here's my first villainous number. With the seven deadly sins, I keep a busy schedule trying to fit them in. I'm proud to be a glutton and I don't have time for sloth. I'm greedy and I'm angry and I don't care who I cross. It's uh, Warren Zevon, the late great Warren Zevon, with the song Mr. Bad Example from 1991, a jaunty affair. Do you know it, yeah. Craig? I do know it. We definitely haven't played this on the show before. I don't know if okay. we featured any Zevon, have we? Maybe we've had a Werewolves of London or something for a Halloween episode. I don't know. I think it might have been on a short list of mine, but yeah, I'm no, this so... is this is fresh. So sure I picked it before, but I guess I didn't. Um, he's gone almost 20 years, which kind of frightens me. I didn't realise it was that long. He died in 2003. Yeah, that's terrifying. Um, renowned uh, singer-songwriter <laughs> musician. Uh, as Craig mentions there, Werewolves of London, a classic song. Um, hell of a troubadour, I would say. Uh, this is a classic example, though, of me with a situation where a friend of mine made me mix CDs and put this on there once. And I was like, I was like what the hell is this? And then I was like, and where can I hear more of it? This is great, you know? <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> I've always enjoyed the song. It's a very uh, very kind of breezy affair. It's like three minutes long or something. It's a composite sketch of Zevon's favourite character type, according to the genius description here. A rogue, felonious and unrepentant cheat who preys on the trusting and the gullible. The lyrics are set to a 4-4 marching melody that's so jaunty, it makes the protagonist's shameless misbehaviour sound like it might be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he plays this kind of, you know, everyman, like, psychopath who goes around conning people out of money, uh, committing adultery, and, you know, generally like, getting involved in all kinds of scams. And I think it's meant to be about the the inherent bad streak that can, that can dominate a person. I kind of equate it to... Um, it's like the 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 more kind of rambunctious villainous version of say Donovan's Universal Soldier. Like you're kind of doing that thing of like we're all capable of this and we're all at war with with something and in this case ourselves or maybe the people around us. But uh, it's a nice, cheerful, carefree number about being a prick. And I think Warren Zevon did a really good job with it. Actually, I remember him on um he's on a great episode of Larry Sanders, the Larry Sanders Show before, uh, where the whole thing in the episode is that like he comes on the show and he's like. He really, really, really doesn't want to play Werewolves of London because he's like, I played it the last time I was on. Every time I'm on a talk show, I play it. Can I just please play something else? And like Rip Torn's Artie is like, you can play whatever you want, man. It's all good. And then, of course, by the end of it, like Larry's in a bad mood. So he has to play Werewolves of London and he's just there playing it. And he's like fucking hammering the keys and gritting his teeth. It's great stuff. Nice, nice. Really good selection. Uh, <clears throat> big love to Zevon. Some great stuff. And Adam has confirmed, yeah, that's no previous Zevon. So off to a flyer, Dave. 
Let's see if I'll get off to a flyer. Um, my number five in terms of songs um, about heroes. So this is taken from great album. Uh, basically, kind of charts um, an artist's inner battle with like anxiety, self doubt, and kind of like spirituality and stuff. This was the first song from it that really kind of gripped me. Uh, having previously given it, or maybe the artist, I guess, a bit of short shrift and how wrong I was. Here we go. What is happening? Yeah, Adam. Sorry, Adam, that was my sub. <laughs> it wasn't Bonnie Tyler I was talking about there. <laughs> God, I was like, I was like, recently did give her short shrift. Cool, let's do it. Here's my actual number five. It's on the music game. I guess they killed the mother. Yeah, that's Michael Kiwanuka uh, from the album Kiwanuka. The track is Hero. Um, I guess Michael Kiwanuka, Muswell Hills answer to Bonnie Tyler. And uh, yeah, way more up to date. Very recent album. Won the Mercury in 2020, I believe. And this song knocked my socks off. Then the whole album did. And I don't know what it was that took me a while to get into him. I I think maybe the pr- this was his third record. And I think maybe the previous two, everything I read or slight bits I heard were kind of talking about that very modern, um, polished soul thing, which I often associate, particularly with like kind of British critical praise with like Jules Holland doing boogie woogie piano along to it. Do you know what I mean? I just feel like this is going to be hermetically sealed and nothing really new. And I was definitely wrong. I love this. It's great. Very kind of Hendrixian uh, with that guitar, that kind of wailing electric thing along with the acoustic um kind of thrum and strum, uh, which recalls, I don't know, all along the watch chair or something like that. It's kind of slightly resigned, obviously, but still very fiery. And this is one of those, um, the Good Die Young songs, I guess. It was one of two actually I had in the shortlist. Um, the other one wasn't um, Holding Out for a Hero. The other one was Cap Air's I-, I Don't Blame You, which kind of deals with Kurt Cobain and his passing and just how like the hero worship around him just put the weight of the world on him. Um and he kind of made his early exit. This was coming from a similar kind of place, uh, the way Kiwanuka tells it. So he's talked about how the initial, um, the opening lines of the song were to do with him kind of getting a bit of an audience together and trying to get to that next level where you become a kind of full-blown musical legend. And he was kind of asking himself whether he had to create like an alter ego or something and just become a brand like a Bowie or something like that. And he was like, okay, the quote here was like, I've taken so long just to be really happy with myself. The last thing I want is to try to make up this new character. Um, So here I was kind of posing that question of like, if I do all these things, will I become this big iconic singer? And as he worked on the song, that shifted to what happens when you actually become an icon. And weirdly enough, the more popular he got prior to releasing it, um, he was getting these offers just for tracks of his to be used in kind of documentaries and stuff that really kind of intrigued him. And um, like stuff, one one of which being a James Baldwin documentary, which kind of led him to deep dive into kind of civil rights in the US and start reading about Fred Hampton and um, how he was kind of assassinated in a raid. He was um, the 21-year-old chairman of the Black Panthers. And so he, like, he hadn't been able to kind of finish the course, finish the lyric. And just from kind of soaking up this material and reading about that kind of stuff, it shifted to become this thing of like, 
you know, to become a hero, do you actually, to a genuine hero, do you need to be a martyr? Do you have to have, you know, so much good to give to the world that you get shot down kind of early? And is that, he was kind of toying with that idea of like people seem to, that seem to do a lot in early life. It's almost like they kind of know that the clock is ticking on them. And there's a weird kind of dichotomy there. Um, and obviously a deep, deep sadness. So it got a lot heavier. It got a lot more political. But I think it wears it lightly because it's just such a bloody good song. And it's still kind of optimistic and it's still great. But yeah, I think a pertinent song even now. I mean, that thing of just like <laughs> building up heroes. Um, and when it gets away from like kind of, I guess, trivial stuff like music and it gets into the political of like, you see what's going on with Zelensky in Ukraine at the moment. And just like on Twitter, people kind of almost fetishizing him and stuff and then other people being like looking for stuff to cancel them or whatever. And it's just like, you know, I don't know. I don't blame people um, seizing someone that looks like a great example and, you know, full of wholesomeness. People kind of need that in their lives, even if it's just a projection. Again, that's kind of what the song's about. That's my number five. <clears throat> uh, not even almost fetishizing Zelensky. There's fucking like websites. Like, Very much like, so, like, yeah. Thirst centric articles about the guy. And it's like, people are dying. Hey, he's, he's a dreamboat, Dave. I mean, uh, he voiced yeah. he voiced Paddington Bear. I mean, like, what, what more do you need? But like, Already here, on oh, the yeah. subject of Michael Kuanuka, I was I was very surprised there by, by your, in terms of your intro, because I don't recall you giving him short shrift in the past, but I think I had a similar enough path to his music myself because I remember kind of just yeah thinking he was too precious and he's definitely very jewel centric and jewels friendly rather um and then i remember hearing like you know they used the song was it uh cold little heart i think for the theme tune to that big little lies show perhaps mm. and then i like investigated off the back of that turns out that was like a cut down of like an incredible 10 minute song it's a fucking masterpiece of a song and then by the time the self-titled record or kiwanuka rather sorry um came out uh Universal sent me like the vinyl, I think, and I was like, oh, cool. And I'd know where to play it, of course. So <laughs> I do now, thankfully. Um, but I interviewed him at Electric Picnic. Um, and I remember he was like my last interview of that weekend. And I was so done, as as listeners of the show will know, you know, <laughs> why. Because by day three in particular, you just want to go fucking home. And he was the last interview. And I was like, there was like a, a will he, won't he type thing where he was getting in late. And I was very much saying to the label, I was like, no, it's cool. I, I was like, I'm more than happy to leave it. I'm like, don't worry about it at all. And then they're like, no, 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 he, he definitely wants to do it. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And of course the guy shows up. And of course he's like the soundest, nicest, most interesting, easy chat ever. Just yeah. a lovely fucking fella. You can't help but root for him. And this album is incredible. It won the Mercury and I was delighted to see it win the Mercury. It's fantastic. Uh, I've yet to see him live. I missed him at Picnic because I think I was going to see Let's Eat Grandma possibly at the same time. Um, but he's great. He's excellent. And this is a really, really good song. Great choice. Really, really good start. Thank you, Dave. Um My number four on the villainous side, uh, I have... I have a, an, a, an infinite labyrinthine backstory on this one, which I, I'm going to have to ask for some patience for. But I will say, by way of queuing it up, I have, of course, picked the new metal version. So here's my number four. And no one knows what it's like to be hated, to be faded, to telling only lies. But my dreams, the art is empty As my conscience Yeah, Craig is swaying his mobile phone there His mobile phone Hello, I'm from 1997 <laughs> um, 
But this song is from 2003, at least the cover is. It's Limp Bizkit with Behind Blue Eyes. And of course, uh, apparently, according to Adam, it's the sixth time Limp Bizkit appeared in the top five. Oh, no. Stato over here. That's, that's bad That's quite the number crunch right there. I wouldn't have thought it was six times. That's crazy. Um, well, to be fair, I don't know when Craig is going to let me do new metal covers. We did top five new metal songs and I, I'd love to do new metal covers, but I feel like I'm going to have to read Twist Craig's You've arm never mentioned that before. Well, I'm mentioning it right now, Craig. Um, and this okay, would definitely be well, we're be not doing there. it. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake. We'll do it. We'll do it soon. <laughs> Uh, this song came out in 2003, I, th- I believe. Craig, um, why did Limp Bizkit cover this song? What was it for? Um, I remember the video featuring Halle Berry. Yes. So was that because it was for a film with Halle Berry? I always just recall it being like, oh, he, they weirdly convinced Halle Berry to be in this. What was the film? 2003. Uh, Adam is guessing. Swordfish, it's, says Adam. It's not Swordfish. No, that was... It's not Swordfish. It's, uh, no. it's a horror film was... called... Gothica. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I never, I've seen that video a million times and I always just assume they got Halle Berry to start it. Um, I think Fred Durst might have directed that video. He kisses her at the end, so I, I feel like he probably did. Um, so he definitely directed it, yeah. So here's the thing, uh, a sensitive cover. I quite like this cover. Who wrote the original, Craig? Um, Pete Townsend of The Who. Correct. It is a Who song. So it's a it's a song. It's it's Pete Townsend singing about himself, then being covered by Fred Durst singing about himself. Um, so yeah, perfect villain song, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, it's actually not Pete Townsend singing about himself. Do you know the backstory of this song? It's insane. It's fucking deranged. I can't wait to tell you. Oh, really? Okay, oh, this man. could go. Strap the who the who songs in. get weird actually. Uh, strap in, and this is going to take. It's probably take about five minutes. So just you know, get okay, yourself okay, a, go get on, yourself go a on. coffee, listener. Here we go. So it's written by Pete Townsend. Uh, it was the second single from the Who's fifth album, Who's Next. But it was originally written for his project by the name of Life House, Life Life House, all one word, right? Which was to be a rock opera. Written by Pete Townsend. Of course it was. And this was meant to be the song for the lead villain, a character called Jumbo. And this was meant to be his kind of big, my perspective thing. Much like you talked recently on the show about, um, what was the song you had? The vampire song that was, we did it on Power Ballads. Oh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yes. So it's the same (laughs) kind of. Steinman, yeah. Same kind of wheelhouse or life house, if you will. So here's the thing, right? Well, I guess you won't because it never came to to fruition. So I'm, I, I've got like scatters uh, of sketches here about this, but like uh, once I get going, it'll, it'll all make sense in that it won't. So it's an unfinished science fiction rock opera intended as a follow up to Tommy. Um, it was meant to happen in like the 70s. It never happened. Like one of the most recent kind of things about it is that like on the 1st of May 2007, P. Townsend released an online software called the Lifehouse Method in which any quote unquote sitter could create a musical portrait. The site is now defunct. But here's the whole concept, right? Lifehouse's story was inspired by Pete Townsend's experience on the Tommy tour. Here's a quote from him. I've seen moments in Who gigs where the vibrations were becoming so pure that I thought the whole world was just going to stop. The whole thing was becoming so unified. Townsend believed that the vibrations could become so pure that the audience would quote-unquote dance themselves into oblivion. Their souls would leave their bodies and they would be in a type of heaven, a permanent state of ecstasy. The only reason that this did not happen at Who gigs was because there was a knowledge in the listeners mind that the show would end and everyone would wake up and go to work the next morning 
Are you still with me? Uh, yeah, just about. <laughs> um, apparently inspired by lots of philosophers, lots of kind of deep thinkers. What Townsend was, was aiming to achieve was to write music that could be adapted to reflect the personalities of his audience. To do this, he wants to adapt his newly acquired hardware, a pair of synthesizers and a quadraphonic PA to create a machine capable of generating and combining personal music themes written from computerized biographical data. Ultimately, these thematic components would merge to form a universal chord. To help this process, The Who would encourage individuals to emerge from the audience and find a role within the music. The plan was for the band to take over the Young Vic Theatre with a regular audience, develop the new material on stage, and allow the communal activity to influence the songs and the performances. People would come out of the crowd, get involved. When the concerts became strong enough, they would be filmed. A storyline would evolve along the music. All fictitious, all weird. Now, this is where, this is where it, it gets crazy. According to this... This is where it gets Townsend, crazy. <laughs> Townsend went wild, working out a complex scenario whereby a personal profile of each concertgoer would be compiled from the individual's astrological chart to their hobbies, ah. even their physical appearance. All the characteristics would then be fed into a computer at the same moment, leading to one musical note culminating in a mass nirvana that Townsend dubbed a kind of celestial cacophony. Taking the idea one step further, making music which was composed of vibrations was the pervading force of all life. Elevating his purpose to the highest level, music represented the path to restoration. It goes on. It becomes crazy. I don't quite understand it. Despite Townsend's grandiose plans, the project had a few problems. The theatre had a schedule of drama productions and wasn't available on a nightly schedule. According to Townsend, the fatal flaw was getting obsessed with trying to make a fantasy a reality rather than letting the film speak for itself. Eventually, he had to let go of the project for his own sake. Townsend's inability to translate the ideas in his head to those around him eventually led to a nervous breakdown. It was a disaster, he says. Then they talk about how there was like a guy who was employed with The Who specifically to basically like break down his ideas because he couldn't pitch them or make them make sense to anybody else. Nobody knew what was really going on. Uh, there was, was all kinds ben of Stiller like, <laughs> to call back to the wrong stuff. No, it was a guy called Kit Lambert. So it goes, um, uh, no one understood the concept apart from him. John Entwistle believed that the band were to actually stay at the theatre with the audience in a sort of commune situation. Uh, Kit Lambert, who was the guy who was basically like his interpreter, had gone missing. Apparently he moved to New York and didn't tell anybody because he was pissed off about something. Um, yeah, it was, it was talked about for forever. Keith Moon said that they were going to make a film out of it. That never happened. In April 2019, it was announced that a graphic novel based on the Lifehouse concept was in production with a scheduled release date of July 2020. However, as of March 2022, the graphic novel has not been released. Hell of a song, though. Oh, man. Did Fred Durst know all this? That's the big question. I can't imagine he had any inkling whatsoever. I think he wanted to just smooch Halle Berry. I kind of like the concept, to be honest. It's like the musical version of that novel, Perfume, where it's just this single note is enough to send everyone to heaven. Yeah, they did make a film out of that. Pete Townsend, they did, yeah. Arch high concept genius. Um, But also, I do think this is a genuinely really good song. And I I think it, it, (laughs) it, it, it gets to the core, it gets to the core of like... You know, oh, the villain has feelings too, you know, a classic staple. I'm not saying I'd go see Lifehouse. I don't really want to support anything that Pete Townsend does, but yeah, yeah, he went for it and it apparently broke his brain. So You've just broken mine, Dave. Um, I'll try and recover with my number four. And this is one of my favourite songs. It's uh, one of the first songs I ever learned to play on the guitar as a teenager. Take it away, Adam.
not Bonnie Tyler. Adam, can you play the proper clip, please? What is happening? You see the stylish kids in the riot Shoveled up like monks said the night on fire Wombles bleed, truncheons and shields You know I cherish you, my love But there's a rumor spread nasty disease around town You cut on the houses with your trousers down A head rush, and in the bush You know I cherish you, my love Dave has his hand up. Dave does have his hand up. Uh, is this a young band known as the Libertines, by any chance? It's the Libertines, yeah. I think it's their second inclusion. Um, Dave's faves. <laughs> it's time for Heroes. <laughs> I think this is one of their undeniable songs. I know you do like Can't Stop Me Now. Um, yes. And that might be the end of that story. <laughs> but Time for Heroes, I think, might be their their crowning achievement, lyrically anyway, uh, to me. I think it's it's absolutely tremendous. Had to include it. Lyrically, I was like, is this really about heroes? And yeah, it kind of is, actually. It's it's about, it deals with the May Day riots in London in 2000, um, which was obviously a long time ago now and was a much more innocent time for riots, Dave, um, particularly in London. Um, so it concerns the Wombles. I don't know if you remember the Wombles. Um, Not the Wombles of Wimbledon, the revolutionary sect um, no, I, from I, I, the Mayday riots. Yeah. I was thinking of the cuddly television version. Yeah, well, these guys dressed up as cuddly television characters and started rioting. And yeah, they had wobbly truncheons. They were kind of mimicking the riot police. It was all in good fun. Um, and apparently there were like about 12 of them, but they had many enthusiastic disciples. And that's the reference there to Wombles bleeding. And... Pete Doherty was one of the kind of young hipsters that got swept up in the 2000s kind of riots, which was uh, a moment, he says, kind of solidified a kind of feeling around London. And he, he said of the time, I felt like there were so many things wrong. I didn't know where to channel it for that moment. I was with people who believed the same thing. And um, yeah, I know like the Libertines have become punchline for some people, definitely kind of fuels the... Um, landfill indie scene and stuff so they've definitely got their crimes against music for sure um, but I think at their heart there was a kind of poetry about them and there was a deafness that behind the kind of ramshackle stuff and a song like this I mean I think Pete Doherty's writing here is like up there with you know the likes of The Clash or The Jam I think it's on that level um, you're Jarrah you're Rooney's <laughs> <laughs> but yeah for a very brief moment they were something special and they were you know heroic and uh Probably a, you had to be there at the time kind of band, um, but kind of great literary references in the lyrics. Um, the year and the day thing, I think that's Joyce. They're almost like the Prefontaines, uh, another mark against them. But <laughs> there's an interesting thing uh, I found online that kind of sums up the effect the band had on people that were at the right age and like got into them at the time. And it is an enemy blog from a couple of years ago. And it's kind of... It gets very, very quickly, it gets into like, I am Amy and I'm an indie territory. <laughs> but it's quite sweet. Uh, it's talking about this song and it goes, Libertines introduced me to a world where heroes existed, an illicit and charming underworld where idol and idolizer are interchangeable. They became my homework, my friends, my go-to, captains of the good ship Albion on which I see myself and all those around me sailing. I believe that we're a community, that we'll all die in the class we were born because that's the class of my own, lo- our, our own, my love. I skip and whistle this on my way to morning exams happy because yes I can finally proudly say I am a rockhead and there are others who feel the same 
kind of lost me at Rockhead, uh, goes on to retell a story of um, being 15 in 2004 and some bloke coming into class with like a wine-stained shirt and the English teacher striking up a conversation about him um, and just being like, where have you been? He's like, oh yeah, was that an all-nighter? And it's like, oh, what, what? And instead of like kicking him out of class, he struck up a conversation about the music he was listening to, which happened to be the Libertines. And they had a big literary discussion about the lyrics in the song, which I don't think happened, Dave. And I should point out at this point that I can't um, big up the author of this enemy blog because there's no author. It just says the enemy blog. So I'm going to imagine that actually this is a case of enemy.com becoming sentient and expressing the enemy's true feelings about the Libertines, which I think is, you know, the power of the band. And that teacher's name was Robin Williams. Uh, the enemy did <laughs> just turn 70 years of age this week, though. So congratulations Happy birthday. to them. Um, yeah, like, valid points all, I think, because I think I've gotten to this stage in my life where I'd like to think that I've arrived at it before now, but I'm certainly, and I was just thinking about this the other day, apropos of nothing, I was like, it really isn't in me anymore to ever, like, chastise anyone who gets any joy out of any art whatsoever as long as that art isn't harmful of course and you know right wing or something Mm. but like yeah i've never got the libertines you know this and i was there at the time i suppose to a degree but it, it just never kind of filtered into my wavelength um and i did bash them and i don't get it but you know you love them and that's enough for me and if that's not heroic of me i don't know what is craig i won't be the villain but i will bring us back to the world of the villains for a very obvious shout at my number three. Stuck around St. Petersburg When I saw it was a time for a change Killed the Tsar and his ministers Anastasia screamed in vain I rode a tank, held a generous rank When the blitzkrieg raged and the bodies stank Well now, aren't those lyrics depressingly timely? It is, of course, Mm. The Rolling Stones and Sympathy for the Devil. Um, I've included this mainly for one reason, Greg, not just because, you know, the obvious kind of devilish connotations and the ultimate villain, you might say, um, Old Saint Nick. But here's the thing. I have to ask you, is, and maybe maybe we've had this conversation before, because maybe I've picked it before, but I've always liked this song. I understand that I think people think it's quite naff. Hilariously... One of the quotes I read about it this week was that Mick Jagger said that he uh, in, imagined it as a, a Rolling Stones version of a Bob Dylan song. Um, but my question, I guess, is, is this a good song? Is it a great song or is it a bit cheesy? This is a classic. Yeah. <laughs> Do people find this cheesy? I think, I think this is news to me. I think people think that this is really? a bit of a dud. Yeah, I, I think it's a classic. No, this is an absolute classic. It's very on I the get nose, the Dylan yeah, thing. Obviously, you know. it do, it doesn't have the nose of a of a Dylan for sure. Um, but it is Mick trying to do his political thing and be a bit kind of finger pointery, um, which he didn't do very often. Uh, but yeah, you're, it, it to- he totally camps it up because, of course, he's Mick Jagger, and um, uh, I think it's kind of a nice. It's uh, the conceit works well. And I think it's all about the delivery. It's it's understated enough. You've got the kind of, that rhythm is just amazing. Um, the backing kind of is are just incredible. Like, it's just a cool fucking song. It just is not cheesy in the slightest. Uh, 
Great pick, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's, I'm shocked that people find this cheesy. It's wildly swaggersome, and it, I, I, I think it doesn't outstay its welcome in six minutes. And sure, the overall conceit is a fairly obvious one. The real devil is, you know, you and me. But at the same time, yeah, no the friends we made along the way. <laughs> I have definitely read a lot. I, I, I feel like it's a bit of an eye roller for some people. Like, like they just think that it's too. Ghost Maybe Pitchfork, Dave. Obvious. Have you been reading Pitchfork again? Yeah, yeah, you caught me. I've been reading Pitchfork again. Oh, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> I'll let it happen again. Um, yeah, no, I mean, now you mention it, it is very on the nose, but um, that's in its favour. It's, you know, it's big, it's daring. Jim Steinman would definitely approve. Guns N' Roses did all a it takes. terrible cover of it. You know, it's classic. Oh, yeah, of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, um, let's get to my bronze medal, I guess, um, with my next clip, Dave. Are you ready? Like, is this this a gag? (laughs) (laughs) At at what point does this become a gag? (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I was so sure that these were technical issues, but then I was like, surely they're not. Uh, technical issues in terms of needing a good dose of Bonnie Tyler every now and then. Um, that isn't my number three. Though, okay, actually. right. I don't yeah, know what Adam's yeah, doing, to yeah, be quite honest with you. Um, yeah, sorry, Adam. Can you can you play my proper number three? And oh my god, sort this out? is painful. <laughs> <laughs> It's Yoshimi Bottles, The Pink Robots, part one from the album Yoshimi Bottles, The Pink Robots. Um, there was a good few choices in terms of songs about heroes and even superheroes on um, the previous record to this, Soft Bulletin, which I think is probably the superior record. Um, this was the one I went for. Um, I was considering Waiting for a Superman, which does that... Um, kind of thing of like there's no easy you know Krypton fix it's you know it's it's probably more Marvel on Wii than um, Superman based but it's it's a kind of nice Wayne coin sideways look through a kind of comic book lens at you know the big existential questions which he does so well um, but this is the one for me um, even if the kind of overall album is slightly weaker this is full kind of comics primary coloured it's a bit saccharine but it's understated enough as well there's layers of irony there and it's kind of quietly devastating if it catches you <laughs> at the right time I love a good kind of cheerleader song I like the fact that he is like giving a pep talk to this superhero Yoshimi and if you dig into it a bit as with a lot of Flaming Lips stuff, it gets suddenly quite a bit darker. Now, nothing's been confirmed about the kind of meaning behind it, but a lot of people um, would have initially said that it was to do with um, this female character battling cancer, uh, that being the pink robots, and this kind of, this being a metaphor for getting on with the drudgery of everyday life while you have this enormous thing over you, um, which I think the lyrics do really well. Actually, as a matter of fact, that seems to be what it is exactly about. Because, Dave, there was a Broadway musical um, based on this song and the album itself. And it was due to be helmed by Aaron Sorkin, of all people. <laughs> so I'm looking at the Wikipedia now and I'm like, how did this escape my attention? Oh, hold on. Yeah. So he left the project. <laughs> uh 
Des Makanoff stated that Aaron Sorkin exited the project after it became clear the musical would be sung through. <laughs> so he's like, we're not having singing the whole way through this thing, are we? And he like yeah, stormed I would off. Have put, um, um, I would have put a lot of money on creative differences being the reason there, of course. I'm amazed he was attached to the project to begin with, right? It is a bit it of a... Seems like a weird one. Yeah, it's a bit of a shocker Left, for him. Yeah. Yeah, in 2007. Interesting. Um... But yeah, I can totally see the musical working. Uh, it's very vivid. It's very evocative. Um, and yeah, it gets me right in the feels. You know, the Flaming Lips do walk that line, don't they? And they kind of fall off the edge quite a bit where it just becomes borderline unbearable. But uh, around about this time, turn of the century, they were in a real purple patch. They were doing incredible, incredible work. And yeah, you know, her name is Yoshimi. She's black belt in karate, working for the city. Just discipline her body, Dave. <laughs> yeah, so it's actually, um, this is actually the only Flaming Lips album I've ever owned, Craig. I purchased it back in the day on a, on compact disc, and uh, I think I would buy it on vinyl. Wow. I do agree with you, though. They are one of those bands where like it, it becomes so avant-garde, it hurts. And I've never fully been on board uh, as a fan, but I certainly admire them. I think this is a very good album. And uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a pleasure to hear it. It's a good choice. It's, it's a nice left field one. I'm sure Wayne Coyne himself will be proud. Uh, so it's <laughs> all I've ever wanted. Uh, number two for me, back on the villain beat. Uh, here are an act that I once saw opening for The National. And I don't know if they've been over since, but I thought they were very good. And this song has stuck with me. Here it is. So, um, in the Did Dave Pick This Before or Not stakes, this is a, a band called Two Gallants, uh, and the track is called Las Crucius Jail. Uh, so, essentially, it's about a outlaw, in this case, a, a very well-known outlaw, Billy the Kid, I believe, and his last errors in a jail cell. Um, and, like, it's... I wanted to have one of that kind of style, one of the the kind of the unrepentant gunman of the old west and it was between this and it was between johnny cash's i hung my head which i think am i making this up on the spot was that co-written by sting or am i imagining this he might have i could be oh my god i hope you're not imagining that that's great thin air in fact i'm gonna go check it now because because now i'll want to know but this song uh two gallants or gallants i presume it's pronounced uh two gallants for some reason i'm like why why why? they are not a french band they are in fact a very 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 american um they're on saddle creek records back in the day so i saw them open for the national in the olympia theater once and it was just these uh just these two lads, you know, making a big fucking noise, which was very kind of off yeah. the time, I guess, that kind of late 2000s. Um, they have another song called Steady Rolling. It comes from the same record, which is called What the Toll Tells. It was out in 2006, which I, I thought was a bit of a, a bit of a slept on classic. But I, I might be alone in that one because like Pitchfork gave it a bad review. And a writer for Under the Radar magazine said that everything sung here is manufactured to conjure up the same bullshit sense of nostalgia that the band's James Joyce-inspired name is supposed to. So maybe they were the the 
Oh, the early yeah. Fontaines. Um, I don't get the Joycean <laughs> reference. Pre-Fontaines. Can, 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 can you explain it, perhaps? It's, it's a short story, isn't it, of Joyce? Or am I completely doing myself up like a caper there? Maybe, possibly. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, so, it's a short story. I'm I'm correct. It's in Dubliners. Phew. Thank God. I was going to have to get that cut out. <laughs> so I've looked up I Hung My Head. It's song written by the singer-songwriter Sting and released oh, on his 1996 album Mercury Falling. It reflects Sting's childhood fondness for television westerns as well as his avowed interest in country music, but also tackles deeper and more philosophical themes of life, death, justice and redemption. Um, so Do you yeah. reckon this son of that Russian oligarch requested Sting play it at his wedding? I think so. That's how you want to kind of announce your marital bliss, right? Yeah, um, walking down the aisle. But where that song is about the idea of redemption and the idea of regret, uh, this one isn't, <laughs> even though it has that great line, though, right, where it says, I'll keep you in my collection of regrets. Um, this is very much like defiance to the last, you know, and just very much like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I won't deny my name. That's quite villainous, I thought. It was the yeah. first one I thought of when I thought of doing this top five. I was very much like, yeah, because I have always imagined this track. Like, I've always, it's always had a very, very visual sense to me. Like, I can picture the sunlight coming through the jail bars and this kind of, this villainous thug, Craig, this murdering brute being brought off to the gallows. Uh, and it's a hell of a fucking song. It's just full of such kind of crackling energy. And it builds and bursts uh, in, in that kind of way. It kind of like, 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 again, to, Harken back to bands of this era, another kind of two-piece, I believe. It's kind of like the Dodos, if they were in a bad mood. And uh, it's a great one. So that's two gallants, or gallant, if you prefer. And uh, Las Cruces Jail, check it out. It's I a, like that. It's we're kind of in Nick banger. Cave territory with that genre. You could nearly do a whole top five. Um, yeah, I like it. I like that genre quite a lot. Good pick, Dave. All right, let's get to my number two. Are you ready for another clip, Dave? Uh, what could it possibly be? Ah, uh, the joke's over, right? Here we go. Here's my number two. This was an instant one. It's College um, with Electric Ute. It's a real hero. It's from what film, Dave? You'll never guess. Uh, I've got a fair inkling, seeing as we did a no yeah. popcorn episode on it quite recently and discussed yeah. this at length. <laughs> it's Drive. It's a great tune. Um, and yeah, I mean, the. <laughs> it's a great tune despite the fact it's... At least one of the verses is about Sully Sullenberger, which is still baffling to me that I never kind of twigged that for so so many years but it's a real thing and if you look at the lyrics it is yeah it's all there a pilot on a cold cold morn 155 people on board all safe and all rescued from the slowly sinking ship hang on a second yeah this song is about the tom hanks movie sully miracle on the hudson is that what you're fucking telling me it's not about the movie, but it's about the actual incident the movie's based on that's what this song is about this song that has carried such weird like uh, I know, emotional it's so achingly heft. hip and emotionally, yeah, devastating and incredible and the serenity of the track and it's about Sully with the moustache, Dave. I think you've ruined the song. I did not know this. Oh man. I could well, have now, gone I, the rest will, of my life without knowing this. I will tell you, right, so, so it's the collaboration between College and Electric Youth. 
Now, um, the American Airlines College. Yeah, it's much, and it was a branch track. It was like a piece of fire. Because when reference was like, I must have it. I don't care about the commercial connotations. So, college. David Griel um, has cited a different influence for the track, and it was Austin Garrick of Electric Youth that went into kind of great detail about that verse in particular, the, the Sully verse, the Sully, Sully verse. verse. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> How many films do you reckon they could get out of that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Flight. Tom Cruise commits to the Sully verse for five. <laughs> Get Hanks back on board. Yeah. Um, oh my so, God. so college Sully versus Kong. says that it's also a cinematic reference, Dave. It's about Mad Max <laughs> for him. <laughs> Which is, more, uh, is it better? I see it is better. Hero, though, like you know, I, I don't think that works. Yeah, maybe this is maybe it's a song about villains. Then I don't know. He said um, he wanted to give a, an homage to that lonely hero that we see in movies like Mad Max, people who make their own choice and try to save lives. I want to give an homage. Um, so yeah, I mean, people go on to say that yeah, the first verse of the song is more along these lines, but then you get into the later verses and you're into Austin Garrick's nightmare Sully verse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm trying to find out if, if some quotes about it basically amounted to a quote um, from Garrick's dad after that incident where he's just like alright actually here it is Garrick's grandfather after the incident on the Hudson referred to Sullenberger as a real human being and a real hero oh. an American hero which is just like I don't think it ruins the song though because it's know. so serene and Maybe we'll give it a week, but um, it still just reminds me of Drive. What a spectacular film moment. I think maybe it's the memories attached to that era that film came out, maybe more so than the film. I haven't gone back to it in a while. Do you mean like being continually stressed out in Hopper House? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Being driven (laughs) to the point of madness, essentially. Actually, yeah, it wasn't a good time. Was it a good film? Yes, it was. And this is a good song. It's a good film and a good film moment, as Craig says. So, wow, I mean, my mind is blown. This is like the most troubling Song Exploder episode that that never was, quite frankly. I did not know this. I wish I didn't know this. I'm going to try and forget it. Sorry. But thank you, though. No, 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 no. You brought knowledge, Craig, into our lives. And thank you to Sully Sullenberger. Yeah. Saving 155 souls on that day in the Hudson. Keep it up. Um, (laughs) When was that? 20 years ago? I don't fucking know. (laughs) I haven't seen the film. Uh, It looked like Oscar bait to me. But yeah, anyone who's ever done it like that is... is, uh, What am I... Where am I going with it? All right in my book? He was just doing his job, Dave. Uh, Adam's giving me... To quote (laughs) Roy Keane. He's the pilot. He's supposed to land a plane. Adam's giving me the wrap-up signal. Um, (laughs) Speaking of Roy Keane, though, and football pundits, did you see that thing recently with Graham Sinas talking about that cat... And he said that cat no. was like the cat, like Kurt Zuma, the whole thing with the cat being oh, like, okay. and Graham CNS talked about it. And at one stage he went, that cat did nothing wrong. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like he'd been poleaxed with a two footed tackle from behind. Like what the fuck? Uh, he's right. That, that cat did nothing wrong. He's right, you know. Adam, please splice in the audio of Graham CNS talking about the cat. Thank you very much. I am, um, I've got zero sympathy for him. If he's turned up today at West Ham and got, abuse from his own supporters, which I imagine, you know, West Ham's roots are in in the east end of London. You know, the salt of the earth people, people that, you know, would not, the vast majority would not be accepting what they saw on a a TikTok or whatever it was. I've got zero sympathy for him. I've I've got major problems with this.
Have we got time to talk about it? Just quickly, yeah. Got major problems with it. For me, looking at that video, that cat hadn't done anything wrong. Right, now that we've done that, let's do this. It's time for my number one. I think this is one of the best songs of all time. I think it fucking rules. It doesn't get old. Okay. Let's listen to it. Yeah, man. The uh, second best thing to happen in the year 1984 after my birth was, of course, the formation of the band Living Colour. Great Living band. Living Colour, wow. Living Colour, yeah. This song is called Cult of Personality. You might know it from popping up on lots of things, including Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. You would have played that while driving around. Um, it's a belter. Do you know what Cult of Personality is a reference to, Craig? It's a reference to a certain world leader. Who? Um... In the eighties, uh, well, no, the, re- it, the the reference is actually to it's from the way 50s. back, yeah, yeah. Oh, from the fifties, fifties, yeah. Kim Il Sung says, "Adam, is that correct?" It is not. The answer is Nikita Khrushchev. So once again, kind of weird <laughs> modern day parallels here, um, okay. because he gave a speech called "On the Cult of Personality and Its Consequences," oh, okay. in which he okay. in which he condemned Joseph Stalin and his use of oppression and brutality. Uh, this track here, is all here. about. Can it. I just say, for the record, <laughs> here, here. Yeah, this is a no Stalin zone. Um, yeah. So essentially, uh, the song is all about you know uh, how leaders present themselves in order to obtain devotion from the masses and how this can be both a good thing and a bad thing you know people kind of get swept up in the whole the maelstrom uh there's examples of this there's audio samples of malcolm x jfk and franklin d roosevelt um it's a belter of a song i think it works really really well as searing political commentary and also just being an extremely good kind of rock and roll song and weirdly enough like it has that continual guitar riff refrain that yeah. should annoy me but it actually just keeps working somehow um it's a real like it's very like zz top or something but uh, it kind of fits in yeah. no that's doing it it's a service craig uh, zz top have some absolute bangers you kidding me do they yeah man what's ZZ their top what's their big good song um <laughs> well there you go <laughs> give me a sec i Let think that speaks Spotify. for itself folks there's that there's that um there's that amazing cover they did a couple of years ago of what was it Lagrange is obviously great, or Lagrange is a legs. Just got paid is the one. Just That's incredible. Paid. Okay. Yeah. I'll so give good. you. I'll give you. Just got paid. But I no. This Thank is you. much. Sharp dressed man says Adam. Yeah. Sharp dressed man is good. Um, from a bad point of view, but this is just a great song. This is this is a this is an absolute classic, and like it has. It has a modern pop culture reference, Craig, or relevance, I should say, because I did say at the start yeah. of the show, I was going to mention pro wrestling again, and I'm now about to do so. Uh, you may be aware of a wrestler by the name of CM Punk. Uh, he came of age in Ring of Honor. He ended up in WWE eventually and climbed to the top of the mountain there as well. And then he retired under a cloud of acrimony, disappeared forever, and then he came back in recent months to upstart promotion AEW. So I've got a clip here now because this is his theme music, of him returning to the ring, and returning to the world after eight years away, I think it was. So he's in his hometown of Chicago. Yeah, You're going to hear the crowd chanting his name, and you're going to hear the song come in. And the crowd are so fucking loud that they managed to drown out this song being blasted in an arena. I think it's just an interesting marriage. Let's have a listen to it. 
Yeah, it's proper, um, you know, proper kind of like uh, Anne Solskjaer's one-ish kind of situation there. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, which I'm I... not going to lie, the wrestling context has made that riff just a tad bit cheesier. <laughs> it's a great entrance theme uh, and it suits CM Punk quite well. But uh, and, and he's like, he's a good example of it because he's neither hero nor villain or is he or isn't he? I wanted some ambiguity for my number one. I think you could apply this to a villain. You could apply it to a hero. You could apply it to yeah. any kind of conflict particularly in the wrestling ring, but it's a belter and I think it has stood the test of time and that's what a good villain should do and that's my number one. Nicely done, sir. Um, I've got a bit of ambiguity for my number one as well um, in terms of lyrical content, but here is, as you said, for your number one, one of the greatest songs I think ever um, from one of the greatest acts of all time. I fucking knew you were going to do it. <laughs> Oh, I hope you guys are I hope you guys are very happy. Such a belter. It's not my number one though. Oh my god. What the fuck? (laughs) What was uh, what, uh, hang on, just, let, let, let's just stop this. At what point in the week did you decide to do this? At what point did you both team up and in, in this ridiculous fashion? I, I hit up Adam last night and he said, this is a tremendous idea. And, uh, I'm not ashamed to say that when I cut the clips, I was like, this is hilarious because of course this wouldn't go in my top five because we can't have Bonnie Tyler twice in the same like month. And then I went for a run, Dave, and I had this on repeat. And actually it's a good song, it's but it's not my song. number one. It is a great song. Um... This is also a great song. A better song, some might argue. Here it is. appear to have misunderstood the brief that isn't hero by chad kroger featuring jesse scott and saliva <laughs> i was hit up um during the week saying <laughs> chad kroger <laughs> and <laughs> josie scott's song was the definite number one um shout out to my cousin caleb and uh, i said but yeah the counter argument is that i don't think it's a very good song he's like no it's a terrible song but it is the best most heroic song of all time caleb is right and that was probably a good argument and he got, um, it didn't, let, let's get him on the show didn't make the cut sadly um my apologies to caleb but fucking radiohead did unbelievable the most crazy yeah those chancers <laughs> hang on adam adam you gave me a limp biscuit count earlier on i'm gonna need a radiohead count I would say I'm pretty light on the Radiohead. I know I've definitely had there there for right. I think dr- drumming tracks. What song is this? By the way, sorry, it. just so everyone knows. This is lucky. It's the penultimate ta- track from OK Computer, um, 1997's OK Computer, and I believe this and there there are my joint top two Radiohead songs, the ones I always go to. I think this is actually the number one though. There's been five, says Adam. <laughs> I thought it would have been more. How has there been more oh, Limp Bizkit selections? That makes no sense to me. Oh, God. Doesn't it? <laughs> no, like, really? No, it doesn't. I'm shocked there's been five Radiohead selections. Oh, there's been six. This is the sixth. 
Okay, wow. wow. Tied at Tied the top, at the Excellent. top, do you reckon? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that another day. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out over the coming weeks and months, um, who will reign supreme. Um, for now, this is top of my chart. Um, it's an incredible song. It's kind of a bridge song, I think, in the way um, the Benz arrived um, for Radiohead at a time when, like, Creep was a huge song and they're trying to move away from Pablo Honey and not really knowing what their direction was and the Benz kind of came fully formed and sent them off um, towards that album with the same name. This was kind of the bridge of them leaving the Benz era. Uh, it was a track they did for charity. It was um, that Help compilation. Um, so it was written around the time of the 90s Bosnian conflict. Um, so it was recorded for that relief record. Some really kind of classic songs, Brit poppy songs um, that featured on that as well. They were initially just going to leave it at that. Found its way onto OK Computer. And it is probably the one song that is most closely linked to that Ben's era. If you've got the kind of big, kind of swaggering guitars, it's um, structurally, I guess, a bit more standard than some of the other, um, you know, songs they were working on at the time. But it's just such an absolute peach. I love it. I adore it. I first heard it before I heard of Radiohead. Um, just remember from like New Year's Eve parties with the family, and like my uncle would play it acoustically on guitar. So I just assumed it was some like 1960s song or something when I was like seven years old. Always loved it. And um, yeah, it's still my favourite. It's very kind of cryptic. It's got that thing of like, he's being pulled out of the air crash, but he's the superhero. And it's about maybe how we lean on each other in relationships. And I think it's maybe a song kind of of defiance. It's like things are going, um, things are going wrong. Um, you're kind of stuck in a rut. It doesn't seem like you're kind of going, ever going to get out of it, but you just persevere. And I actually think OK Computer, as much as it's about like the angst around the millennium and the p- potential of like technology taking over the world and things getting very dystopian, uh, most of the songs are about like normal people ending up doing like small heroic things and actually beating the odds weirdly. It's weirdly darkly optimistic, um, which I think Tom York can be at times and people don't quite pick up on it. But this for me is just skyscraping. And of course, the most heroic thing about this is the guitar heroics <laughs> from Johnny Greenwood, who's like totally in his like David Gilmore put on a like jet engine bag. It's just so bloody good. It's like a real... Pink Floyd nod in the best possible way. Um, and yeah, I adore it. Um, good pick, Craig. Even if I am, you, even, even if I wonder if we need to kind of put a clamp down on, on, the, on the old Radiohead for a while. I even picked them recently, I think. Uh, actually, Adam, while, while, while we have you. Yeah, would you, do mind, you know the breakdown? Would you mind, I think I've only picked one. Would you mind checking two things for me, please? Just in this <laughs> league table of sorts. I need to know how many times David Bowie has appeared in the top five and how many times Prince has appeared in the top Prince, five. Prince, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, also, I, I believe Paris Saint-Germain have just collapsed hilariously against Real Madrid in the Champions oh, League. Oh, excellent. Uh, excellent. Going from a 2-0 uh, uh, winning margin to losing 3-2 <laughs> in aggregate, 3-1 down. Uh, and they're villains, aren't they? I guess Real Madrid probably are as well. Franco's team. David Bowie yeah, has appeared but- in the No Encore top five a record nine times. Wow. Oh my God, okay. There'll be no Bowie for a while. Um, <laughs> I did pick another Radiohead. I picked Weird Fishes in top five animal songs, but I mean, come on. Oh, eight for Prince. My God. Surely Bowie's the king there with with uh, with nine appearances. You would assume, right? Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll compile this We'll properly. never know. We'll, we'll do some admin. Oh, we will know. Okay, we'll, com- we'll do some admin. Yeah, we'll do some, some admin. Uh, Sonic Architect admin. 
as he's known, uh, of course, the <laughs> uh, superstar to the stars. Roll credits. Hey. Drop it up there. <laughs> play, play the real hero music. Uh, play me <laughs> out of here. Um, yeah, Adam Shanahan, of course, is our wonderful Sonic architect. Thank you so much for being here with us this week, sir. Um, so, I'm not sure how I feel about this Bonnie Tyler runner, but you know, it's fine. It got me. You know, it got me. It all got me. Um, and you can get more audio if that's what you want, listener, over on Patreon.com/slash No Encore. Now, Oxcord 11 is out now. 15 tracks discussed over almost two hours. You'll also get to hear about how Adam had a wild time when he went skiing, how I had a wild time when I went snowboarding years previously, and lots of other things besides as well. Plus a killer playlist as well of 15 great songs that we are loving at the moment. You can get that there. And of course, you can get Adam's latest chat on Before the Encore on the main feed right now in the episode before this one, because that's how chronology works. Craig Fitzpatrick, Dave Hanratty, hero to villain. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Back next week. Bye-bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.